Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every episode, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Uh, so I'm very excited for the show today. Um, many years ago, uh, I was the beer director at 11 Madison Park, and one of the most favorite um, treasured beers that I had on the list was basically anything and everything that came from BFM, Brasserie de French Montagnes. And uh, today we have the uh, founder and owner, Jerome uh, Robitetz, on the show. Uh, Jerome, I've completely butchered the pronunciation of probably your name and your brewery with my horrible American accent, but uh, thank you so much for calling in from the Jura region of Switzerland. Hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> now that I, I hear your voice and you, you mentioned the 11 Madison, I figured that we met uh, sometimes in New York in the past. Uh, right. Yeah. You're right. I, I finally made a connection. <laughs> <laughs> No, I remember you. I remember you're coming into the bar a couple of times. Um, so for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with your brewery, um, can you give them a little bit of background? You've been around for uh, a long time. You opened up in, what, 1997? Exactly, yeah. Uh, I opened uh, the brewery in 1997 after uh, reading a prize uh, at a TV show, something like, I want to become an entrepreneur. You probably have those kind of stupid uh, uh, shows on the American TV as well. And uh, it was after I graduated in uh, winemaking. So uh, I'm an engineer in winemaking. I was actually, because I don't, I no longer practice. And uh, at, this time, so it's about dinosaurous times, European-wise and beer-wise, it was kind of complicated to find even a, a small brew house because you, it was complicated to find suppliers. So, but uh, I also started making uh, internships in Belgium in uh, 1998. Sorry for the light behind. Mm -hmm. uh, in different different breweries, and I started launching my first beers, who are. And are still now um, ales, like we have a wheat ale with a refermentation, a conditioning in bottle. Uh, we have a blonde with sage called La Meule and, and, uh, and so on. Uh, funny thing is that uh, the three beers I launched 25 years ago are still uh, our flagship beers for the Swiss market. Uh, we have a kind of a Dr. Je uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, syndrome which means the beers you probably know in the U.S. are not the one we sell more in Switzerland. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of the beers that I'm familiar with in the U.S. are, you know, very sour, very funky, and a lot of them have experienced, you know, barrel aging, secondary fermentation, things like that. Exactly, exactly. So uh, then... Uh, uh, it was in 2010, we uh, finally bought a real brew house, 20 hectoliters. So it means it's a 15 uh, barrel system that we used uh, quite a lot during uh, 10, 11 years. And now most of the clean beers are brewed in another facility, two minutes walks away from the brewery. And the ancient brewery is uh, 
still used for the Sarbiers, uh, some research and development program, Imperial Stouts. And what is interesting, we have also a stage with uh, concerts. We have the tap room and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing because it's in a small village of 2000 people and we can have 500 people attending to concerts. So it's, it's, it became a kind of popular place. Nice. Uh, EFM now uh, employs about uh, 40, 40 people with the tap room. Uh, full times, uh, it's maybe 25. Lots of, we have lots of students working, so it's part-time jobs and stuff. And so I'm still... I'm still CEO and the owner of the most part of the shares of the brewery. So when you first started, you know, you graduated with a, a, a degree in, in winemaking. What made you want to go into beer making? Um, I would say several parameters. Uh, first, I was convinced that uh, the beer that we had to buy, because we had the cartel situation in Switzerland at this time, at the end of the cartel situation was very boring, which means you had a, a special, uh, you had the lager, and maybe a fest beer, and that was it. But uh, traveling throughout Belgium and so, uh, I knew that something more interesting was making with beer. And also, I have big problems uh, with orders, uh, unsubordination, you know what I mean? And I tried to work for... Uh, one boss during three weeks and then I decided to resign because I couldn't stand those uh, rules. Mm -hmm. Now I have to put rules for my co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> and boring rules. Uh, and also I had come a uh, instance coming from overseas from your part because the first uh, microbreweries had begun in, mm -hmm. in a 70, uh, uh, 1997, and I thought that would be something to develop. There is certainly a niche to develop. So those parameters put together brought me into uh, making beers first uh, in uh, the garage of uh, my mother's farm, and uh, then uh, the garage became too small. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing how you've kind of transferred your wine knowledge because you know, the beers that you are, or at least the beers that we get in the U.S. Um, have, you know, barrel treatment. Um, so I'm assuming that that knowledge has come in handy with the barrel management. Um, and, you know, I've, I've seen videos of your facility. Um, it is immaculate, like really, really, really stunning. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when you go to visit a space that has a lot of sour beers. Um, you know, everything's a little dusty and musty, but I mean, yours is, you know, like a, like a surgeon's room. Oh no, it's never clean enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, we have to be, uh, anyway, very uh, focused on the, on the cleaning and the, the hygiene in breweries. That's, that's something super normal. But uh, this link between the, the wine world and the, the beer world came uh, per se, I would say, uh, because I always wanted to have a, the beers with a certain uh, structure in the palate, certain complexity of the nose. And I, I always wanted to have a certain uh, aftertaste. And there is a kind of rule 
the longer the aftertest is, the food friendlier is the beer. If you have something very dry, who, who cuts uh, when you swallow, it's very difficult to, to find a good match with the food. I think so. So maybe our beers have a certain signature also. Uh, a part of that is that we've been working with the same liquid yeast for the last 20 years. So we have one yeast for every single beer we brew at the BFM. But Bon Chien, who's fermented with a regular wine yeast. And it, this kind of mix with the barrels made the bridge between the wine and uh, the beer in my head. And I feel like the the, re the region that you're in, uh, the Jura region of Switzerland, um, is known, you know, a lot for the wine production as well. I mean, also amazing cheese production. Um, and so as you started to flourish within the community, uh, have you noticed that other breweries have started to open up or is it, are you kind of the the main the main event as far as beer goes mm, you have several questions in one uh let's say um first you make a small confusion between the jura there is a french jura so it's next door and mm -hmm. uh, the sweet french jura where you, where you have the famous vangeon and so is uh, something like an hour drive from here it's, it's not the same country neither and the the jura so our canton the state uh has some vineyard but uh it's it's been only 30 years about it's not a lot and gotcha. we live about three thousand feet above the sea level which brought us or me a kind of liberty regarding what we had to produce because there was no uh uh old brewery in the canton and we are not really wine producers now it's coming because the uh, wine is coming everywhere Maybe you tried wines from uh, from Belgium lately. That's the super sparkling wines. It's coming from uh, from everywhere. Yeah, uh, I guess he, of course, forty minutes away. You have uh, thirty minutes away. You have a, a vineyard, so it's not far away. But mm -hmm. on our Swiss, very different. <laughs> and gotcha. from an independent port uh, of the of Switzerland, an independent canton with its own ID brought me, uh, I guess, the possibility to develop my own line and character, I would say. Okay. For, I, for example, we are a bit, always a bit out of categories. If I go to a competition, last year I presented my beers, the Saison Square Route 225 to a competition, and uh, they answered us that we are totally out of style. Okay. But... That's the way we built our brand, just uh, reinterpreting a style, not mistaking because we don't know what the style is. But nowadays, uh, kind of rule. Yeah. No, for sure. And as you've continued to grow throughout the years, you, you've definitely pushed the limits on um, really creative and exciting beers. Um, has that, do you get a lot of inspiration from? Where does that inspiration come from? Uh, some of the inspiration are coming from the from the kitchen, like okay. uh, the, the everlasting research of umami. <laughs> it <laughs> could be a, a book <laughs> called like that. <laughs> Something I've always looked for. Uh, you have it 
also in Bonchien, uh, when it's this kind of mix of the, with the balsamic flavors, a touch of uh, acidic and the sourness, those spiciness can bring to uh, to the, the, the umami, I would say that. And then some inspiration are coming also from uh, from wines, of course, obviously, yeah. like working sometimes with Spain grapes. Obviously, it comes from uh, from wine. Uh, when we made those editions of the Bon Chien with uh, uh, champagne, uh, Méthode Champenoise, so uh, mm -hmm. with on two years and then disgorged, it's obviously coming from wine. Yeah. So I have uh, ideas, plus uh, our brewers on Brewmaster are bringing me the more uh, process side, which is for me super important by developing a beer. When I come with an ID to my to my production team, uh, who are everyone is a learned brewer, so there is no one who said I like I would like to make beers and they come here, and so they're coming from Germany, Scotland, Belgium, and and Italy nowadays, and they they tell me what is makeable and how can we do it on the process side. Okay. And for and if you don't mind, for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the uh, Banchian uh, beers, this is uh, definitely the beer that you see the most, especially in the U.S. Um, can you speak to to what that is and and kind of where that inspiration came from? Uh, so uh, Banchian is a strong sour ale, funky uh, beer with eleven ABV, aged in uh, mostly in red wine barrels. And we age it for one or two years in red run barrels. Then I noticed by trying each uh, barrel, uh, you can distinguish four, four different families of tastes. Upon the sourness, the, the, the winey character, or some uh, are more spicy, some have different flavors. And for me, the, the real value the real added value of Bonchien is after this barrel aging is to blend the barrel together to maintain a certain line. And Bonchien has to be something a bit bizarre, a bit funky. If Bonchien would be too uh, too whiny, too woody, too proper, it won't be a Bonchien. Sometimes I had, I've always had in the past some guys working with me with the barrel room and then they present me a blend. I said, that's not Bonchien. Because every single guy on the planet is capable to put beer in a barrel, but to make a blend that looks like the blend before, during 50, uh, now Bonchien is 18 years old, is more complicated. Mm -hmm. And I would say that of Bonchien. And then for the legend, uh, legend, uh, our cat, the, uh, the brewery's cat we had this time was called Bonchien. I know it means good dog. And uh, uh, the cat mm -hmm. cat. So the cat became a saint when she disappeared. That's why it's the Abbey de Saint Bonchien. Oh, nice. It's like that. So Bonchien is it looks like a bit uh, uh, those Flemish red ales, but yeah. with more boo more boozy. There is a, a great um, when you swallow it, this kind of warm feeling. It's it's a bit strange from a sour beer to get a warm feeling. Uh, and it ages quite well for me after four or five years aging in the bottle. We have the 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 the, the complexities pick. So more adjective in the nose, more complexity in the palate. 
that's 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 bon chien. Yeah, it's a absolutely stunning beer, and I think it is also so much fun to pair with food. You can, it, it's so flexible, and it's one of the it's one of the only beers that could probably take you through a significant portion of a tasting menu and really work well with a lot of different foods. So no, it's I agree. It's excellent. And, um, it makes a reaction when when you first try a bon chien and you don't expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the world because in Asia it's different. Uh, it can uh, it can shock you, and I like this emotion that can bring a sour beer. And the the real bar age sour beer can bring you an emotion, whether you love it or whether you're totally surprised because you didn't expect once in your life that you would try something as awful as a bon chien or as a sour beer. It it brings you an emotion, and then you have to understand why you had this emotion and to, to try to understand also what what is the beer and that's interesting and that again that's complexity yeah no it requires requires thought it requires process mm-hmm. uh, so i appreciate that um you know you have watched the beer industry change and you know beers beer trends kind of you know come and go is there a, a beer style or a beer trend right now that is really exciting to you let me think no <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm i'm very old fashioned for those things but uh, for me if you write a name of a style on a label it has to be this name of a style and uh, i'm not okay with those beer with 45% of fruit juice Fighting during decades for for uh, sourness, bitterness, uh, uh, fermentation flavors in beers, and now it's like alcohol pops. It's I have issues with that, and yeah. it's way for raw materials also. And I'm not sure that it's still in my craft's definition because those kind of sweet and dangerous product because they contain a lot of alcohol and you don't notice them. Mm-hmm. Uh, are part of the industry. It's not the, the food and beverage industry. It's not really part of a real craft. Craft has to have its its own character, I think. And you have to have your own signature. Uh, breweries I love is the, the beers. You give me a glass and I say, okay, that's lover beer probably. And I love that because they have their own touch. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's imp- um, now that the new trends who came who are very interesting. Yes. It's it's on a side a bit sad what happened because now uh, craft beer scene is a bit like a restaurant where you can eat uh, sushi, sauerkraut, hamburgers, and uh, cheese plates, and yeah. we we lost the regionalities that were something super interesting. I recently went to Germany and I was amazed again that you brew land beer on a part of Bavaria but not on the other part, and that's also richness of the terroir. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, one of my favorite styles is uh, Rausch beer. And, you know, there are breweries that have been doing it for centuries, centuries and perfecting it. Um, And I I, I really think that, um, you know, you see a lot of breweries open up in the U.S. and they want to do all the styles, everything. And I feel like that's so challenging, especially right off the you know, right when you open, 
to not just maybe focus on a couple and and really perfect those, you know, before you just start going. That's that's a fact. It's so complicated. Uh, I read an article that you more or less know your brew house after 500 batches, but intended after 500 batches of the same beer. And it's actually a bit that. The, the beers I'm more proud of is the beer we've been brewing forever because we know where it is and we know the small details. And brewing is also making the same thing and again and again and again. But hopefully those fashion brought a lot of people into, into beer, hopefully. And what is certain is a bit like if you have a dog, dog is 10 years old, you said it's about 60, 70 years old. And I guess with the, the truth changes every two or three years because it's a, it's a fast moving movement and that's something exciting. So when I'll tell you that I'm not super interested in what's happening now, maybe in six, six months, a year, I would say, okay, now that's something that comes back and that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I will say in the, in the U S right now, there is a growing infatuation with really well-made Pilsner and I'm very happy to see that trend. Um, but I mean, I feel like in Europe, you're spoiled with really well-made Pilsner, so. Oh, not that sure, not that sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's indeed, I guess, new wave coming uh, for craft beers is gonna be Lager and Pilsner. It's already there in the US. We are always a bit behind. Oh. Even us, almost I had to to, uh, to go to the Pikeartries during two years to do that. <laughs> But now we have a kind of lager pilsner, uh, 4.2 ABV, but brewed, uh, fermented with the same yeast. So we tried and we can ferment it with low temperature because I didn't want to introduce another yeast in the brewery. And that's something we're gonna uh, sell soonish. Oh, nice. Very cool. In, not in the barrels. <laughs> <laughs> not in the barrels, that's totally fair. Um, well, before we sign off, is there anything, you know, aside from the Pilsner, but is there anything else, um, you know, coming out of BFM that, that you're excited about? Yes, but it's almost sold. Uh, we made something super interesting. Uh, do you remember uh, Bira del Borgo? Of course. Yes. So, and uh, may maybe also Michael Opalensky, who was a rep for Be United, and then he moved now to Italy. Yes. Uh, you know, the red hair guy, tall. Yes, I remember him. Oh. So uh, I went to visit them a year ago, and they have a, a project. Now they bought a, they bought a winery in south of Italy, in Puglia. Okay. And, and uh, they are making a, a smoked wine in a smoker, like in a smoker for BBQ. And I could take the Spain grape, uh, the Spain grape from them, and I infused it in Bonchien. And I made, uh, I made a smoked sour beer. Igaba, so Italian grape a based, and that's that was something really interesting, very near from the the, the, the research of umami. That's, that's something that that uh, brought me a bit of emotion uh, during that. Oh wow, that sounds amazing. Maybe, maybe sixty cases are going to the US, but nothing, because <laughs> <laughs> I was out of out of stock when I had an order and. Uh, <laughs> They are still here, so they're going to be in the U.S. for the spring. But that's that was something super exciting, linking the things I like. So the, the wine world, the friends, <laughs> Italy, 
Italy and Bonchien. That's something. It's not. It's no longer called Bonchien, but Reverend Bonchien. Okay. So what Bonchien made when uh, he was a reverend, not a saint. Just a <laughs> bit more. And I, I like this idea of mixing the the, the smokiness and the sourness. Yeah. Because that uh, increasing the sourness, the smokiness decreases. So it was a bit delicate. Yeah. No. And I. Any time that smoke is introduced to beer, I'm always very intrigued um, because it can go terribly wrong. But when it's right, it's a masterclass in 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 skill. It's it's really beautiful to see when it when it's done perfectly. So I'm I'm definitely gonna try to find it when it gets to the US. <laughs> it's also, it's gonna be also fresh. <laughs> Because you are at the edge uh, of what what could be kind of acceptable, this uh, this umami feeling um, brings you to almost your childhood, I think, in in the, in the emotion you have. Because that was the first feeling you had is the the, the mother's milk, and that's that's probably umami like uh, like cheese and st stuff like that. That's why you you want you want to take it, and uh, you have your reflex of uh, of eating something and. It it made me this kind of a strange feeling of something I knew, but I was almost afraid of. I like that. And again, you could you could probably definitely have some fun with pairing pairing that with some fun food for sure. Fantastic pairing with chocolate with this beer. Oh, okay. Uh, well, chocolate. Uh, uh, also, uh, with the, the the beans are uh, the nibs are not not super roasted. A bit like uh, the fancy coffees, you know, a bit like mm -hmm. that. They make this chocolate, and it was a, it was a fantastic pairing. Everything was inside. Amazing. Well, like I said, I'll have to try to seek that out and eat it with some chocolate. Uh, Jerome, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and from calling in from your from your brewery. I hope one day to visit. Um, but Welcome. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Beer Me. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, please like, subscribe, give all the stars, and we will catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>